Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Good evening and good afternoon to uh, everyone that's joining us for our look at emancipation. This week we are joined, well, maybe as always, depending upon how much I can uh, put upon Bradley to uh, continue <laughs> joining me on this little endeavour of the former Gatecast podcast. All right, Brad, how are you? <laughs> good, good. Yourself? Not too bad at all. I've been roped into something here, haven't I? <laughs> Oh, no, don't worry. There are definitely <laughs> going to be breaks applied. There is a, we, This isn't going to last another 17 seasons, I promise you that. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> That's what they always say. Yeah, this only occurred when I realised how much trouble it was to redo the original Gatecast shows. So there'll come a point when I listen to the old recordings and think, you know, they're not too bad. No need to do it again. And it also comes from maybe other guests not wanting to uh, look back on these early episodes. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with the first season. Every show's got to find its footing. Yeah, exactly. Although I have now officially launched the Desert Island Stargate format. Ah, uh, nice. Or at least announced it. See how many people can get interested in it. Yep. And that should provide a bit of, not variability, that's that's not even a word. I don't think even that's a word. <laughs> you know, spice things up a bit. Something a little different. That's for another episode of the Stargate Archives. Yes, today we have one here that uh, probably won't turn up on a lot of uh, people's rewatch. I had to even search the computer to see if I even had it. A couple of months ago when I ripped all me uh, all the seasons onto my computer, I was, I'm not sure if it was one I included. I don't normally leave too many episodes out, but I left this one out. And now after rewatching it after so long, I'm not sure why, but uh, we'll get into that shortly. There aren't that many awful episodes of Stargate SG-1. There are episodes that aren't as good or below average, but there aren't that many that are truly, truly awful. It doesn't have valour in it, so I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's not this Mortal Coil, or whatever that was. No, not Mortal Coil. One of those MM ones that come in Season 10. Yeah, anyway. Right then, as I said, we're going to be uh, having a look at Emancipation. It was written by Catherine Powers. This is uh, one of her eight episodes of Stargate SG-1. She also provided two stories for the show and wrote two teleplays. The director is Jeff Warnow. Just this one episode of Stargate. But he's also done Battlestar, NCIS, The Expanse and Vikings. So he's still very, very busy jobbing director. Hmm. Still waiting for The Expanse Season 2 to come out here. <laughs> Looking forward to that. I've got it to watch. I just haven't started it yet. Yeah. I'm nearly finished my house rewatch. I'm in the middle of season eight. <laughs> and get that done first. I don't want to stop and start another series. I'll get house done and actually love it, season yep. eight. It's amazing. I actually have less memories of the later seasons than I do the first. <laughs> Perhaps because whenever I've gone back to house, I've always watched early seasons. Yep. After show. that derail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we've got to make these episodes a little bit longer. Okay then, Emancipation opens up with Field and the Stargate. It looks like it's an actual travel gate, not mm. CGI. Mossy rocks. Yeah, at that point it's probably cheaper to actually take the gate than to fake it up like they did in uh, later seasons. Especially when they're going to be filming everything out in location. Probably just easier to take it out there with them. But mossy rocks, well, mossy ruins, my favourite. And <laughs> Tilk being over, obvious that the uh, structure's been destroyed for some time. It does look like there was something far more significant there. 
when is that never the case where you might have a dozen rocks or a dozen large stones protruding from the ground and it used to be a uh, a massive structure but that's all it's left like you lose you lose most of the evidence that it was there but some evidence remains whether it's a pillar or you know what Jafar are like they get the orders you know just wreck the place but don't damage the stargate because we might come back yeah. one day well that goes into Jack's line which is uh, let's get heavy before someone that remembers why comes back does that mean they're going to go back through the gate maybe yeah if, if you don't want to meet anyone that knows why the temple is destroyed then why are you continuing <laughs> <laughs> sounds of dogs barking in the distance a young man starts uh, we see running away from the dogs the, the dogs seem really enthusiastic mm. And bred well for being a few hundred years removed from Earth. Well, that's reasonable, I suppose. You know, the dogs always have a use in a non-technology-based yeah. culture. Defence and hunting. Although the breeds, I wouldn't have thought they were native to that era of <laughs> Earth when these people were transplanted. In Vancouver or Mongolia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we get to the dogs, Tilk has a line that maybe it's a forbidden zone which is something that hasn't been brought up before, and he doesn't care to elaborate at all. So maybe that's something that's come up in a briefing before that the gold have forbidden planets that uh, people just aren't allowed to go to. Yeah. In later episodes, we do actually see some standards that the Jafar have left behind indicating that, you know, we've been here, we've wiped the place out. Yeah, yeah, well, the end of the series, uh, the end of the season, we get the first main one. The young man is uh, Abu. Okay. <laughs> Jose Vargas. I keep laughing at that name. Uh, well, what are you going to uh, do? I've recently been in Beyond, which also stars Peter Kellamus, who just won the uh, Leo Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Series. Mm. Congrats to him. Yeah, fortunately, the dogs get scared off by uh, a bit of gunfire. Got to wonder, I mean, what was that? It seemed convenient that they just managed to rescue him when the dogs were literally yeah. at his heels. Yeah, that's, that's plot timing. Also, yeah. Jack's Magic 9 mil makes its first appearance here <laughs> um we get one of the the dear old cliches from tv local tells visitors to leave only to have visitors stand and wait to be captured <laughs> yes <laughs> so if someone's telling you go run get out of here then you turn run and you get out of here yeah we get a slight clue about his origins people of the steppes if you know the name for the the mongolian region the russian steppes and all that you'd probably start putting two and two together you can't really tell from his outfit. It could be any sort of uh, culture that wears mm. fair-lined clothing. Although he, he does kind of freak when he sees... You're a woman. <laughs> Sam. I'm a woman. That's an mm. extreme reaction. Yep. And dental... Dental. Daniel identifies them as moguls here. He should know what kind of danger they're in if he's knowing they're moguls. Straight away. But he's more inquisitive than cautious. It will get to more. <laughs> he's thinking yep. of himself at this point. He's not actually providing Jack with the information he requires. He's looking at the opportunity mm. for research. It is not very well handled by SG-1 at this point, especially when the chief rides up, delighted his son's safe, you know, and basically, oh, woman, if she speaks, she dies. <laughs> I can see her face. Seriously, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. Stop talking, yeah. woman. And that's it, Daniel's he's like in this bubble. It's okay, if something happens, Jack can step in and shoot him all. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel, yeah. yeah, we're fine, we're okay. You go, well, you are, yeah. How many <laughs> archaeologists would he know that have gone into the Amazon or into the Congo and never returned? <laughs> well, it's okay, this tribe's fine. Yeah, I mean, whenever the whole point of having Daniel on SG-1 or anybody with this sort of background is to provide yeah. the leader with this sort of information. 
this is the sort of culture we're approaching. They'll have these taboos. Maybe it's a good idea that we don't... We take a step back and we come back tomorrow. They'll still be here. Exactly. Send a, uh, send a mail team, as Jack says later, and do it properly. Come back oh, with yeah. them if you need to. Alas, they get captured. <laughs> My first little prediction here was, Jack, you have guns, just fire them and scare them so you can turn around and leave. And what do we get when we get back from the ad break? Jack pulls out his 9mm and fires it to the sky. <laughs> well, that's it. We we definitely see the various different attitudes of some of the tribes. We don't really see two tribes in this episode. But Abu's father, Mughal, played by Soon Teko, he does seem to be a bit more progressive. You know, he talks about trade and... Apparently having one wife <laughs> instead of many. Well, it, it, it all adds up, doesn't it, you know? What did surprise me when they went back to uh, their village, they seem to be very advanced when it comes to dyeing of fabric. Yeah. That is always some way you can actually gauge how far a culture is developing. Even colours, blues used to be incredibly difficult. Reds were easy, you know, you've got plenty of organic elements in the countryside that give you some sort of red sap. Blues were always difficult, Mm. but here you've got every colour of the rainbow. Yep. The tents seem nice and dry inside. Yep. Carpeting and everything, you know. There may be a nomadic culture, but yeah, you know. And even before they uh, head back to the camp, Carter says, "Let's leave while we're ahead." Ignored, (laughs) Daniel. Oh, this this could be beneficial. (laughs) Everything from now on is Daniel's fault. (laughs) That happens. Exactly. And they uh, yeah have their uh, little meeting in the tent, and even even now, sort of the elder sort of lets his hair down, or literally lets his hair down, tells us why. Carter was going to be shot or killed for showing a face and all that. I'm going to say it's a mm. very strong cultural taboo. But it's something they can't interfere with. Like later they're going to go in and start firing to get her back and you know, you're really going to overstep the mark. They pretty much underline the fact that this culture doesn't have slaves as such. But the female of the tribe, they are very much property, chattel, to be traded, sold as is. But up until that point, protected yeah, yeah. fiercely within the tribe. That's not because they probably value the women as mothers, daughters, sisters. They recognise the value of them. It's probably very very much the same way they treat the horses. Yeah, well, the horses look way. like they're in good condition too, so... Well, yeah, if a man hasn't got a horse, he's, he's, he's not a man in this culture, is he, really? No. You know, if, if you can't travel and hunt and trade and whatever... I was going to say, that brings up the possibility of new medicines and uh, Carter saying, well, a lot of stuff's coming out of the hills and the jungles. We should check it out and do that. We need to dress up, even though she doesn't get a chance to see any of it. She just stays in a tent. <laughs> I do like the fact that we got the background from Mogal saying that the women didn't used to be controlled or protected to this extent. It was because of you know the demons from the skies. So obviously the gold were coming, taking the women and... This kind of grew out of necessity, but once a certain power structure was established... Well, that's it. We're told 900 years, or about 900 years, that they've been doing this to hide the women from the gold. Bit of a lengthy wait there to change what they're doing, but when you've got something good, don't don't change it. The inertia built up over 900 years is going to be very difficult to break. But even the legend lasting that long, like we don't see any writings in the camps... If it was 100 years or like one or two generations and it might be more of a legend, but be 900 years since the Gould were there, it seems like a little bit too long a time. I, I don't know. I suppose if they depend upon oral history, then as long as the tale is retold accurately, I think it probably couldn't last. 
Paul Jenner has probably remained unchanged for that long. Yeah, true. They haven't been influenced by any outsiders. There's been no obvious technical development which have pushed them away from a nomadic culture, you know, a city-based or a farming yeah. type thing. Although I've got to admire, looking at this culture, they have got some incredibly well-forged steel blades. <laughs> There's not many bronze or... There's some pretty good-looking vegetables a bit later too. <laughs> so we, yes, we get to the outfit. Mm. Captain Samantha Carter is not happy. But again... Not happy at all. <laughs> yeah, she looks Lads, fine. That's boys. you, it's all you. <laughs> It's just great. We start getting that early Jack and Daniel banter back and forth and the comedic timing. It's, it's it's great. So I get that here where it starts. Tilt just standing in the background mm. looking at him with a slightly puzzled expression. He's the one that realises you could have just put something over your face. You didn't have to get out of your military fatigues. Yeah, it's like going into a you know a Jewish temple. Just put a little yarmulke on. You don't have to dress up or anything or, like you say, a, a veil or something. You don't have to yeah. do the whole, whole shebang to fit in. Yep. It's again weird that the boo says you got to get out of those clothes, be outside, and she doesn't. She gets dressed and stays in the tent until she's kidnapped. Especially sure since the boys are about to go and attend a party and you're not invited. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's a nice-looking dress. 12-year-old me's looking somewhere else. 35-year-old me's admiring the dress and wondering <laughs> if it was made for the episode or if it was something they pulled out of the prop closet. I assume it was made, but it does look like it doesn't fit her. Which would be reasonable because it's not it's not made for Samantha. Obviously made for one of the women. Yeah. Probably just comes close to fitting there. Although Carter does <laughs> seem to be foot taller than most of the women there. She's having a nice sleep, resting up. If she can't go out, you might as well get a bit of sleep in. Fortunately, her blade appears at her throat. Yeah, normally if someone puts your throat, they have the intention of slitting it. You don't fight it, you don't squ- <laughs> squirm. Maybe they're not that experienced in kidnapping, you know, just putting some yeah. a cloth over her mouth to make sure she doesn't scream or anything. Especially this being a tribe that main weapons are blades, they'd be pretty proficient with them, you'd think. I'm surprised she got any sleep. You try sleeping when there's a party, wild party going on outside with drums and everything else. <laughs> yeah, trying to remember it. <laughs> to be totally honest, emancipation does tend to blur a bit. They wake up the next morning and Sam's gone. Oh, yeah, that puzzled me. When Tilk came into the tent, did he call a doctor? Jackson's Ark calling doctor, doctor, to wake her up to know that they're ready to leave. Because Jackson's the one that discovers them missing. Because he walks in and says no one... Oh, no, Jack walks in and says no one's seen him. I don't think Tilk's actually in that scene. Oh, I just wrote doctor with a question mark. Jackson's the one, because he's still on that, do I call a doctor or do I call a Sam thing, where he's uh, he doesn't know what to call her, so he's doctor, doctor. Then we get a cut back to the stream where Booze cuts a gag and fills Carter in what, what's going on. She's going to be traded for his own purposes. Yes, she has value. Yeah, when he seen her in a dress, he knew that he had something worthy of trade. Yeah, the fatigues did nothing for her. Can't trade me, I'm a human being, which okay. Cut back to the tent when Jack's trying to find out what happened. But then he says, a member of my team's been neutralised. Wouldn't that mean she was there unconscious or dead? It is a strange word. Yeah. Taken prisoner. Same more. Yeah. You know, yes, we're allowing a lot for these people speak English, but there are certain phrases and certain words you think, no, never. They would not have heard Mm. that word in 10,000 years, let alone a few weeks. Well, it comes out of frustration because Daniel says, well, wait, I'll go and talk to the chief and see if he knows what's wrong. And Jack's just like, (laughs) no. Members be neutralised, we're going after it. 
took can you track them and then realize that they took a horse and it was a boo that took them took believes he can track them because it has a splayed hoof <laughs> oh yeah yeah I've, I've seen i've seen that trick done in many a western <laughs> we get our first look at the other village and i have one note here they, they found a very hairy cow <laughs> I know there are the long, the long-haired variety over there in the uh, state. So they found one that was patient and could stand there for them while they filmed. Probably cost them a small fortune. And we get our main villain. You'll have the details, but I've seen him somewhere before. Turgan, played by Kerry Hiroki Tagawa, recently been in uh, Man from the High Castle. Again, a very popular actor who worked in three or four decades. You can argue that actors of certain cultural backgrounds get pigeonholed into certain roles but if you prove yourself in them roles there's always jobs yeah it's always a means of work until you find something you really want to do he's open for trade he's obviously far more dangerous than mogul is but he he buys by the rules you've come to trade you're the son of maybe not an out and out enemy but certainly somebody who vies for the same resources in that area of the land but what have you got to offer me this Mm. (laughs) give us a twirl turn around slowly Joe was a bit of leg. Which is interesting. She so refuses so much to do here. Yet in a few few more episodes, she'll team up with Jen and that and flaunt their feminine charms on the men of the base in Hathor. Yeah, well, that's that's a totally different mm. set of circumstances, isn't it? At this point, Turgon's looking at her. Mm, interesting. And it is very... This is where she is. literally becomes yep. a piece of meat to him. I wrote down... You can almost expect him to say, you know, I like a woman with spirit, the old trope. Defy me more. That's what I enjoy. I want you to fight me. And I don't know if a response to this, he could have lost his temper with it. Well, he says to her later, he says, you've got spirit. Keep it up and you'll see how bad or whatever I can be. Yes, I can tame the wildest horse. I can tame the wildest yeah. woman. Don't worry about that. Yeah. This doesn't look very good for Sam at all. You know, either she's going to end up getting herself killed in an escape attempt or... I think she would probably do something very drastic before Turgon pressed his charms on her. Yeah, and she tries, or he walks straight up and throws a slap across the face, and I just wonder if this is one of the first women that's actually stood up to it and gave him a stare back. Probably. Where especially later. I'd imagine that most of the young women have any form of defiance beaten out of them before well, they Well, you see later when daughter drops something and starts whimpering because she's dropped something, she knows she's in trouble. Well, that's it. That's a reveal. You know, Abu comes to trade. He's offered, I don't know what the value of one weight of gold is. I imagine it's reasonably significant. He's not interested in gold. He wants the hand of Turgon's daughter, Naya, which is... A trade for a trade. <laughs> a woman for a woman. Yeah, very very unusual, as I say. Normally you don't trade a woman for a woman, but, you know, even a chieftain's daughter... The very fact that this hasn't even come up as a marriage of convenience between the two tribes we know of mm. makes you wonder, Mughals can't be a warrior tribe. In fact, why are they still around? That's it. Yeah, why does Turgon put up with them? He obviously doesn't like them. Like, there's 23 or 22 tribes, soon to be 23, when he marries his daughter off to a, a warlord in the desert or something. Yeah. If this tribe's giving you so much, and he's, he straight out calls him his enemy later on, You've got 23 tribes or 22 tribes just go over and take care of these ones. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no, you know, United Nations or Security Council putting the block on his expansion mm. into that part of the woodland. But obviously there is a reason. Yeah. 
And it just makes you makes you wonder, like, Abu doesn't even realise what he's doing and lead the war and have him wiped out. The chief sort of does. The lad's smitten, isn't he? Yeah. And this is one point, give the producers credit for casting so many actors from outside the normal Vancouver talent pool. There are plenty of actors there who look the part, even if they're not necessarily from, you know, the Mongol regions moved out, overlapped Asia to a significant degree. Turgan, Abu, Mughal, they all look the part. going to say, that was my next note. Naya Crystal Lowe, we know her from Atlantis, also in Science Hill Delivered. Poor Harmony was younger than that. Oh, no, no, she was Harmony's sister. Yep. Much older. She looks out of place because, well, she's Caucasian. Especially when you see some of the women overseeing her standing later and they're very Asian. And it's like, where? What? <laughs> well, isn't her mother the one that Durgan's going to beat later on? Yeah, you'd think so. And again, Asian. So mm. how did those two produce Naya? <laughs> you go, seriously? They do say that foreign women are priced higher than local women. Maybe, maybe he has a foreign wife, but we just don't see it. I'm sure that the woman that Turgan was going to be was Naya's mother. She just looked so out of place. Obviously, no fault to the actress herself. She was hired to do a job, and she did the job fine. It's just that, you know, they make the effort to make this culture look the part and then kind of just trip over with one of the main mm. guest stars. Yeah. But never mind. Carter still being extremely naive, thinking she can mouth off to Turgan, as you said. He gives her a backhand, he smacks her around the chops a bit. Proves his masculinity by beating up a woman who's not allowed to yeah. raise her hand in return. And Abu finally agrees, he takes a gold and up he goes, little violins playing. Yeah, he, um, he can't get his trade, so he takes the 300 gold <laughs> pieces. He can't really do much, he can't yeah. say nothing, take her out of the camp because he'll get killed. Or he's told he'll be killed, but cut to the outside scene. He's asking her if uh, she can dye a shirt. Or Stitch. Pretty sure Sam knows how to tie-dye. Or dye a shirt. Again, being a bit lippy. Sort of, again, not taking your surroundings serious. And she sort of has a turn here where she, after realising that the uh, daughter's going to be married off. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sure you're the father. I'm sure you know a daughter. Yes. Comes to her senses. Her intellect kind of overrules her emotions here. You know, she knows Turgan can be manipulated. He wants his woman to bow down before him, be deferential. All she has to do is keep herself intact, make sure she's not injured or anything, mm. and an opportunity will arise where she can get out of this mess. Which comes up here while chopping vegetables. Naya drops something and is tended to by the other women, and she puts the knife up under her skirt and does a runner. i just got a note here. What the hell is this gore? Robin Hood? <laughs> <laughs> the, flutes, the flutes and that. Uh, this gore is very heavy, like the Stargate score at the start. And now we got these flutes going. I just, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> she rides off and is foiled by the uh, pet horse and whistled to stop. At least the camp has some sentry guards. But then that comes up later. The guards only stop people leaving, not people approaching. <laughs> There's no people just walking the camp without anyone knowing they're coming. <laughs> yeah, she's captured again, taken back to the camp, and he's going to punish one of the women, presumably the uh, mother, for what had happened. Carter says, if you want to beat a woman, how about you beat down on me? He gets angry here and grabs her by the hair and starts saying that you got spirit and there's some worse things that can happen where if this wasn't a TV series, then there'd probably be a rape scene now. Well, they do go so far. If you notice that once she donned the blue dress, every scene, a cleavage became more pronounced. 
didn't notice that this time. And not that I was looking at Amanda's cleavage, but literally every scene, it seemed to be more apparent. Shot a lot from the top up, especially like there where she's bent over and chopping them. And it's sort of, it is highlighting the fact that she's wearing a low-cut dress. I laughed myself silly when tried to escape the cam and she put the veil on. <laughs> Why? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna notice a six-foot woman yeah. in a bright blue dress yeah. running across the field. With or without a veil. She comes up on someone I don't kill her instantly for having her face revealed or... Yeah, I got lost. The camp is there. God, I was waiting for that joke. <laughs> I thought that was going to come. I'm going, where's the unknowing warrior that walks past and looks and is like, where's the kitchen or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been sent to get some water. Oh, the river's that way. <laughs> so, Mogul, Tilk... Uh, Jack and Daniel end up at the camp. They are looking to trade. Again, Turgon, delighted. Oh, my enemy, but you come in peace. We'll trade what you're after. Oh, we're, we're looking for... What's her name? She's mighty powerful. She's a warrior. She's a scholar. She's important to our people. That's why we've got to have her back. <laughs> he says there's a chieftain. That's probably going a bit too far. How much do you want for her? Yeah. We do things different in our part of the world. Carter sees him out the tent and doesn't step out doesn't go hey guys <laughs> help or anything she goes and gets a little bit of fabric and lights it on fire then lights some straw on fire and uses that <laughs> and then uses that to burn a rug that's hanging from yeah i'm thinking what the hell are you doing clothesline or part of the wall for where these women are and then like grabs naya and stands back and sort of waits another minute for the fire to start and like this is a very slow distraction and in the end, it's only so they can sneak out the back. It's not so they can be identified as being there, let Jack know that she's there. It seemed a very odd. Carter doesn't know exactly. She must have an idea of why they're there. They're going to try the diplomatic approach first before they yep. storm the camp, killing everybody, which they could have done very, very easily. But this is very much, I suppose you could argue, if Sam hadn't done something on her own initiative, this would be too much like the men are coming to the rescue. Yeah, good point. The poor woman needs rescuing. Here hmm. we are. The but she's intelligent and hit lighting a fire and escaping, which another saying that we uh, glossed over is she's telling Nia that she should go and stand up to her father and all that when she's just seen supposedly mother going to get beaten because Carter got away. And now she's back there telling the girl, yeah, you're fine. Just tell him tell him you don't want to do it. Say no, say no. Mm. That wouldn't be good advice yeah. if you're talking about approaching Moogle, let alone Turgon. You can't expect somebody to defy their entire culture five minutes after meeting them. Yeah, especially when you're not even from there. They all think you're from another village off further, and you've been running that running that elaborate ruse for the whole time. And then... <laughs> Yeah, you're pretty much betting on the fact that you can get away before all hell breaks loose. Yeah, the trade doesn't go too well. And here's my... Yeah, <laughs> Jack's definitely not good at poker. Price goes up. Yeah, well, that's it. I'm sure we've got access, maybe not to gold, yeah, he doesn't know how much of a weight it is, but keep going. We'll pay it, don't worry. You'd think there'd be something of value would have. And um, the whole time I'm thinking, Jack, surely you've seen Planet of the Apes. Just give him your gun. <laughs> and and alas, what happens? He hands over his 9 mil. <laughs> yeah, it's just a noise-making device, isn't it, really? Bang. I wonder if he explains to him what <laughs> it actually does, or if just he point it or don't point at anyone, because... I felt that maybe seeing him shoot someone and him realising how much of a powerful weapon it actually is, instead of just shooting in near like a bumbling idiot and laughing with the rest of the tribe, it just seems a bit weird. Yes, he seems very pleased with his new toy. Yeah, and then Jack's like, there's only five shots we're going to get out of here. 
normally you'd, you'd see something like this, you know, maybe a cheesy sci-fi series where the evil overlord would be given some sort of weapon and he'd be start shooting his own people and laughing. Well, yeah, shoot an apple off someone's head or shoot something out of someone's mouth accidentally or realise that something's coming at the end when it's making a noise. Although Jack does shoot at something before he hands it over. Yeah, yeah there's a, a clay pot or something that he shoots, isn't it? I was surprised. My memory thought it was a rifle. Yeah, you don't want to hand your MP5 over to these people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably empty the magazine way too quickly as well. Yeah, so Turgut is pleased, and you know, he, he, so he hands over Carter. Yep. You know, fantastic, let's go. Zod the natives, the gate's that away. Unfortunately, Nayo attempted to escape during all this hoopla, got captured again, and, well, she did her father wrong. And he's, uh, he actually sounds reluctant mm. rule on uh, punishment. I may have been reading more into it. I don't think he wanted to have her executed. But he had no choice. But even that, that was the same thing earlier when they first come across the team, where he was just going to kill Carter and until he found out that she'd saved the son, that was sort of a relief for him that he didn't have to do it. And she was a total stranger. Well, he says he forgives her. Yeah, Turgon actually could also be factoring in fact that an alliance is... Well, that too, and if it's a warlord out in the desert, then you'd lose a powerful member. (laughs) In that case, the trader off wait. I find it interesting. They only <laughs> ride a day's ride away and then stay at night. Like, you'd think that the deceit's been discovered that there's only five rounds left. This thing's not making noise anymore. I've been had send a war party after them or something like that. But no, they just stay back there. And Yeah, and we get a dropped line here from uh, from Jack. We're not in a hurry. There was another mission I'd been on before where Carter drank something and took off her clothes, and Carter stops that uh, conversation pretty quickly, but... Here we are at the third episode, and we think this is the third mission, but no, they've been on a few missions beforehand. That, uh, but that happens through the series. We hear about uh, these little stories, previous missions we never see. Yeah, I looked that up. That actual adventure is covered in one of the novels, Sacrifice Moon. Oh, okay. I think I started that. I never really got into the SG-1 novels. I've, I've read probably four or five of them, but they were the Atlantis novels that I really took a shine to. Yeah, I need audio versions, so I don't have time to read them. <laughs> right. Carter is up for, you know, going back to the camp, rescuing Naya. Moogle, he's totally against the idea because it provoke a war between the two clans. He certainly is not in position militarily to prevent this total massacre of his people. Well, that's it. It'd, it'd mean genocide. They kill all the men, take all the uh, women and the horses. Don't forget the horses. And we get another one of those age-old cliches, help me after I betrayed you. <laughs> Babu coming in. Yeah. But they do, they do come up with a solution. You know, some of the old laws aren't really practiced very often. Challenge between clan chiefs cannot be ignored. Convenient, that. Yeah, I knew I knew the knife fight was coming up. That's one thing I did remember from this episode. But when they start talking about law, I'm thinking, oh, don't make this a court procedural. <laughs> yeah. I think law's mentioned about 10 times in two minutes here. And it's like, oh. Yeah. We've got to organise a jury. It might take a couple of weeks. I also think they made a point of, did Jack say Naya was 16? Carter said she must be more than 15 or 16. In this culture, I would have thought she was probably be pretty much younger. You know, when she were married off. 14 or 15, I would have thought. By this time, she'd have kids. Yeah. More just that a bit to make a bit more palatable to uh, the mass audience. They just rock up at camp, no sentries to stop them, no sentries, they don't let them know. Well, they're all waiting for the stoning. It's taken them ages to find a rock. They've only got one each. <laughs> or pebbles, because they're not very big rocks. Mm. You get one throw and that's it, so make it count. 
this is you know execution the whole village is out all the women are out the mother's there doesn't look good that's where you know she asks forgiveness and as you say Durgan no actually bends down and says you're forgiven he can't be saying to be weak yeah. he's got to it's not going to change anything of course go through it no matter what I'm sure he'd be doing the same thing if it was his, one of his wives as well yeah the challenge is made he laughs because you know Mughal oh it's, it's below yeah. me to fight you you know there'd be no, no credit to me if I killed you but oh you're not fighting me mate <laughs> they've already as you say laid the groundwork for Carter being the chief of her people the elder and this whole time they're like Jack's oh yeah you've got hand to hand training and Adam they're too blase about this it's oh yeah we're just going to have a fight and roll around in the mud when the whole time there it was never brought up that oh it's to the death <laughs> and that's like again Daniel it was obvious it was going to be to the death Daniel what are you doing <laughs> it's like there's no yielding and saving face Ritual fights like this in tribes is always to the death. There's no honour to be satisfied by getting first blood or anything. Yeah, there's a knife for your test. In fact, if you, you know, roll on your back and say, I yield. You could fully guess that if they knew beforehand it was going to be to the death, then Jack would have stepped up. Yeah. And been the one and not other. Probably, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's Black Ops. He's got far more experience and know-how in hand-to-hand combat. Luckily... Sam has <laughs> made a tribesman. <laughs> level three advanced training, whatever that means. Yeah, you know, she's she's had some you know weapons training. Might have been. Don't know if that comes with basic training or what. Or it might have been part of a hundred hours over enemy airspace in Iraq. I don't know what sort of training an astrophysicist gets in the air force. Just in case you have to bail out and captured, you have to have some sort of hand-to-hand combat. And I love how she reaches around, grabs a knife, and just rips the whole scabbard off her belt. I just lifts it up and pulls out because you got to do the reveal of the knife from the scabbard. <laughs> no messing. You know, or if she'd have rolled her sleeves up and showed a bit of flesh, he'd have been so distracted. Yeah, take the jacket off so you just wear your undershirt. In his culture, he wouldn't have been able to cope. <laughs> it'd been, oh, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. You look there, <laughs> well, I punch you up there. <laughs> knife in, job done. <laughs> My eyes are up here, sunshine. Yeah. They really went in for the cushion yep. background music as well, didn't they? They wanted you to get into the spirit of this. Get the heart pounding and the blood pumping. And I like the fact that we saw Jack's fingers just itching on the fire selector of his MP5. Yeah, yeah, well, they go to walk forwards and get the uh, arrows and spears at the throats and knives at the throat, so they're incapacitated, which I'm surprised the guns aren't taken off them. Yeah. Knowing what they can do, but anyway. <laughs> they're not stupid. They're under guard, so they can't do anything. Turgan's guards, that's it. They're helpless. Yep. Because, you know, they wouldn't even be expecting any resistance at this point. But my guess, if, if Sam got injured seriously, yeah. Jack would... It's the thing, when you got a knife at your throat, you can always take a step back, just roll backwards and open fire, but... Tilk would just glare at the yeah. bloke holding the knife to his throat, and he'd run away. <laughs> but we get the fight. Oh, God, that stunt wig. That stood out on my iPad. I don't imagine what it's like on <laughs> high def now. But... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the only reason Sam put the veil on, so they could have the, uh, the stunt woman do the horseback riding. Yeah. Well, again, that seemed like a different dress too because she couldn't move it and all of a sudden she can get a leg up over a horse and ride off. The different shade of colour, more bushy, more hair than what Carter's actually got. You would think in a town that is so movie and TV production orientated, they yeah. would have wig stores or you know outlets that could mimic anything and do it reasonably quickly and reasonably cheaply. Yeah. Obviously, a stunt performer probably wouldn't have huge amounts of air because they'd be wearing wigs half the time. Yeah, it just it stood out like a sore thumb. But never mind. She won. <laughs> she put Turgan in his place, got him caught. 
made him a little bit too aggressive, weakened him a bit, finally got him down. Could have killed him. Yeah, could have. Again, I think if there was a rape scene earlier, she would have. I'm not sure what this would have done to his status within the tribe. Were there anybody who is lieutenant? Yeah, it was really just a crowd that come for the stoning. So if if you're uh, going to stone, your, the chief's going to stone his daughter, do members of other camps come to that? It was just people in this camp that uh, seen him get beaten by a woman and they uh, mysteriously disappear overnight or... <laughs> it must have been his own camp, but... You would have mm. thought there may have been somebody who'd take that as notice. Yeah. He, he must have lost yeah. face. He must have done, within his own tribe. It may not have happened the next day, a week later, a month yeah. later, but I'm pretty sure that at some point, someone would challenge him. Yep. It's a pity that she didn't do a little bit more damage. Maybe slow him up for the next person to come along and yeah, take him out. Yeah, what was the broken arm, or broken wrist, or Friday chopped to the shin? It'd make Moogle's life a lot easier. But then again, we've got a wedding. Yeah. Does this mean there's no uh, animosity between the two tribes now? And do, does the line of succession pass to firstborn son or... Yeah, well, he says that she's free, so I'm guessing that she's been disowned by that other tribe. Could the first son of this union take control of both tribes? Which, yeah, how long How long does it last before he just goes, no, nah, I'm sick of this peace-loving hippie camp, let's get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, they make great blankets, but I've had enough on them. <laughs> so uh, everybody seems happy the youngsters are going to get married we're hey six day wedding everybody's invited finally as you want to walk him back to the gate daniel i think is talking about uh, not being have access to some of the more unusual pharmaceuticals no he says he says that um we'll be able to take it back but sadly we won't uh, get credited for sourcing it and then we get the decline <laughs> What's an Oprah? Yes, no Oprah interview. What's an Oprah? <laughs> yeah, he hasn't turned the TV on yet. We'll get that later. <laughs> That's all we require from you in season one of Stargate, <laughs> the odd one-liner. And that was uh, Emancipation. Not an awful episode. They tried to tell a story. They went 90% of the way getting it to look relevant. It's certainly something that they kind of shied away from in later episodes where... They'd just play lip service to the various cultures. They'd go do it with costumes. Yeah. Maybe Spirits was heavily dependent upon having actors who looked the part. It was just the casting of Naya, which kind of stuck out because she was the wrong colour. Yeah, and apart from some previously mentioned issues, I don't I don't see this as being that bad episode now. I haven't watched it in a long, long time. I remember it being a lot worse. There are different other episodes I think are worse than this now. <laughs> Even the third episode into the series aside, it's more so <laughs> Daniel not waking up to the fact of where they are, what they're dealing with. Carter sort of just being thrown into the deep end and being ignored by her team members. At least there's none of the uh, reproductive on the inside instead of the outside or none of that cheesy stuff. There's a couple of the lines, I'm a human, I'm not property or whatever else, but that goes hand in hand with the situation. There's one one big thing that's glossed over here, and that's these people were brought here 900 years ago, which was far beyond when the Egypt Gate was buried. Well, that's where they said their women were being taken by the war. They could have been there a thousand years before then. Yeah, yeah, good point. The episode has a lot of the right ingredients. It doesn't quite all gel together as you would hope it did. But like you say, it is certainly not the worst episode of Stargate SG-1. It may be because it's so early on in the season you know you you kick off children of the gods big action packs double episode 
the enemy within wraps that storyline up. Drama, Kowalski. Yeah. And then the first off-world mission as SG-1 that we see. This is the mandate. This is what the show's about, going off and exploring new cultures and getting into trouble. We're expecting more. Oh, okay. There's no tech. There's no... They're a race we'll never see again. Or it's a planet we'll never go to again. I wonder if they'd, maybe if they'd have flipped this and gone to a planet of Amazonians and it was just Sam who was okay. Oh, God. I'm glad we didn't do that. That may have been worse. You could have had the, the boys all having to walk around in little skimpy hide, <laughs> all oiled up, like, yeah. uh, well, Sam, you, you know, you sat back and big palms waved in front of her or something like that. I'm just trying to think. There's no... Apart from Hathor... Because that had been as stupid as this, There's not really, really. Any, any episodes where the guys go smitten. I suppose Hathor, really, I guess, is the opposite of this. That's only because of a chemical. That's not just the men being men. Let's worship the men by walking around in bikinis. Yeah. Finley drowned robes. Yeah. All of a sudden, you, you think of Futurama. <laughs> smoosh, smoosh. <laughs> Those guys get taken by Amazons for reproductive purposes. <laughs> do get that with in season nine we find pretty much an amazon the with female jafar but the men aren't ogled over they're, they're seen as um we don't need them they're not seen as you know they're not really very useful for much at all sort of takes this episode flips it and does it better we <laughs> might get there in a few years okay then that was emancipation as always brad thank you very much for joining me yeah that's really not as bad as i remember it or as bad as the, the hype i suppose if you want to get in touch with us, you can visit us at stargatearchives.com or email us at stargatearchives at gmail.com. We have retained our presence on Facebook, Google+, and Twitter as a Gatecast, so the links remain. If you do a standard search, that should bring us up, if you're new to our brand of Stargate fandom. iTunes, of course, is hosting the new Stargate Archives feed, so we'd be delighted if you would subscribe and rate us if you use that service. Right, let's wrap up. Give a quick rundown of your latest podcast. Ventured into the minute-by-minute format and uh, doing the Lost World Minutes, the sequel to Jurassic Park. Just uh, got a couple of guests on there talking about the movie. And, of course, Transformers Collectors Club Australia at transformerscca.com. Excellent. Thank you, as always. Okay, then. Next week, or the week after, or whenever I feel like it. The next time we open up the gate. We will be taking a look at Broca Divide, unless something else pops up in the meantime. However, until then, I've been Mike. I've been Brad. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye.